bit of a... Um, we are doing things slightly differently today because um, obviously, well, we had plans and then Friday rocked round and they changed. I am. Um, so what I'd like to do is uh, I'd like to lead you in a bit of a, a lament that a friend of mine wrote. Um, because it's actually not something I'm very good at. In fact, actually, Kiwis on the whole, I don't think we're great at this. At when uh, most of us learn, grow up learning to ignore pain or to push pain away, yep, to dampen it down, uh, to go and do something else. Um, Bible's nothing like that. Bible has David pouring out his heart to God. Um, there is this business of recognizing the pain that's there. So a friend of mine wrote one which I think is really good. It's his words, not mine. And after that, I'd like to go into a bit of a message, um, which I'll keep a little bit lighter. Oh, while I do, um, I think there are some baskets. Yep. Uh, we're going to pass a basket in front of you, and this is for the messagey part. We'd like you to take a piece of paper. You can choose between red and blue. Don't mind. Okay. Uh, no one gets to be the baddie or goodie in this. And, and I'll try and be... And if you don't feel like you want to play, don't play. That's fine. Yeah, no need. Um, so, I'm going to read you a prayer that a friend of mine has written. God, the creator of the universe and our creator, one who acts as both mother and father towards us, father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, who makes God known to us and comforts us with comfort that no person can bring, we call on you because we have no one else to turn to in the anger and pain and helplessness that the senseless murder of people in Christchurch has brought us. We know that there is life and hope beyond that violence. We know that there is resurrection and hope and healing ahead. But today on the road, he writes, we are not so sure. We want to turn back but know that there is no going back to what was. We live in a land that knows violence, knows it well and ignores it well. From 176 years ago, when violence erupted in Aotearoa Whenua and 28 people died at Wairau, to today when every few minutes a woman is battered in her Kiwi home, and on Friday when 49 people Sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, 50 now, yeah. brothers and sisters died at the hands. Like us, they were worshippers gathered together. And we want to turn back, but there's no turning back to what was. We know there is life and hope beyond violence. We know there is resurrection and hope and healing ahead. But today, we're not so sure. We're not so sure because we see the violence in ourselves. Not the violence of hate, mostly, but the violence of fear. Fear of what might be hidden behind the chamar, the chador, the burka, the thobe. The ski mask, the balaclava, stocking, piercings, ink, and tamoku. Fear of what we don't know or understand fear of what we might lose, 
fear of the other. Fear of what is different to my way of thinking, speaking, dressing and doing. We want to turn back, but we know there's no turning back to what was. We know that there is life and hope beyond violence. We know that there is resurrection and hope and healing ahead. So God, save us. Save us from our desire to hurt as we have been hurt. Save us from the desire to remake people in our own image. Save us from ourselves and the violent darkness we each hide within. We want to turn back, to know that there is, but know that there is no going back to what was. We know that there is life and hope beyond violence. We know that there is a resurrection and hope and healing ahead. So gather us in your presence as a mother hen would gather her chicks. Shelter us against having to cope alone with what life brings us and make us aware that it is not just people like us you gather at your feet. This day we pray for freedom to move beyond fear to caring, beyond self to neighbour, beyond protection to growth. That we may be your sign on this earth. Amen. So, I am, um, like many ministers on Friday, you look at what you've written for a message and you think, oh, I'm going to throw this up, throw, tear this up, because... And then I actually wandered through and thought, actually, no, I think this has got something for us. And one of the disciplines, one of the reasons that we keep going to the Bible, Christians... It tells us about Jesus, it tells us about God, but it tells us in a way that we won't get because it's speaking from outside, we won't get from ourselves. It speaks from outside of us. It can be quite jarring. And we were scheduled to read from Acts chapter 6, which is a really simple, plain story. And it is simple and plain, and I've cut it, I'm going to do it reasonably short. Um, I think it has something to say to the events of this week. I think. Um, I will need a little bit of help in it um, because I've, I've got a table here and um, two or three chairs. I'd like to have three or, people, three or four people, let's just call it three because I've only got three chairs here, to volunteer to help. We're going to travel back in time, back to the days of the early church when things are exciting and it's growing. They're on the verge of something disastrous happening. So this is Acts chapter 6. Stephen has not yet been killed. But we're not there yet, back in halcyon days. And in this process, um, this story in Acts chapter 6, it's pretty unexciting. Um, but there was a saying, um, anyone heard this expression, the devil is in the details? Anyone heard that? In actual fact, do you know what its original quote was? It's actually from a French artist, Gustave Flaubert, who says, Le bon Dieu est dans les details. Someone can say this better than me. German? Oh, yes, he is. Cause, okay, well, I'm doing really well. Okay. It is, it is French, but you were saying it in a very German way. Uh, 
Well, that just tells you what my language gift is like, um, which is translated as the good God is in the detail. Isn't that nice? Instead of the devil is in the detail, the good God is in the detail. And the saying means it matters how we do things. The details, the ordinary stuff of life, that actually matters. So we're going to have a look at today at how the early church dealt with an issue that dealt with leadership, and it also dealt with the clash of colliding cultures. Right? There's even some racism in it. So, Acts chapter 6. Lots of people are becoming followers of Jesus. And when you start to believe in Jesus, what's one of the first questions you ask? Who's this Jesus? Who, who is it? And of course, it turned out that who were the people who knew way back in the early church? It was the people who'd been with Jesus, the ones who'd spent three years traveling around. And so it was mostly the apostles. And there's a, you know, becoming a new Christian, you're excited about this stuff. There's all sorts of stories going around. There's genuinely a story, which I imagine very few people here will have read, of Jesus playing by the stream as a little boy, making um, um, birds out of clay, which eventually he claps and they fly away. Have you read it? No, because you have. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Gospel of Thomas. But how do you know? How do you know? In those days, they didn't have a canon established there. How do you know what's real and what isn't? Well, you go to the guys who knew. And yes... Matthew and Mark and John are going to start writing this, but this is going to take them forever. So this is quite early up in the days. And by the way, all those people who traveled with Jesus were Jews. And actually, they were local Jews, local boys, which meant they probably so yes, they read Hebrew in the synagogue, but they spoke Aramaic. And they probably spoke some Greek because everyone did, but their Greek wouldn't have been brilliant. So what I need is, could I have three people who have a red card who are happy to play along a little bit? Three people to come and sit at the table here. Anyone game? I, I promise I'm not going to be nasty to you. Thank you, Lauren. Yep, there it is. One more would be lovely. Ian, are you up for him? You were being volunteer, but you don't have to. No, no, we've got Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. So we're going we're gonna to regard these three, these are the local boys and girls. Well done, Lauren, I'm, I'm grateful. Um, um, uh, well, we're going to imagine this. These guys, they speak... Ara they speak... They speak, they, speak, yep, they speak Aramaic, and they're the ones who know about Jesus. So um, instead of me speaking, they're going to be speaking. It's all right, I'm not going to make that do, do that right now. About who Jesus is and... Um, and one of the exciting things for them is their community has grown massively. Remember at the day of Pentecost? Massive growth, people flooding in. And of course, because you're the guys who know the story, you get to make a lot of the decisions. So you're probably teaching people morning, afternoon and evening, which means you're going to need a bit of a roster. That's going to be good, isn't it? Um, and there are thousands of issues you've never thought of. What songs should you sing? Who can come to meetings? There's too many people that will fit in the one house, so how are you going to deal with it? And, and you grew up going to the temple, so probably that's your default. You do things and, uh, the way the temple does. Makes sense, doesn't it? So these guys are at the table at which decisions get made. And it turns out one of the things they hadn't thought about was, well, if you decide to get baptised, not only are you saying yes to Jesus, but in many cultures you are also saying no to other things. So a lot of the people who became Christians 
actually got disowned by the Jewish religious structures because you're now a sect follower. And in that culture, the social welfare was largely the temple. The temple would deliver food, particularly to widows. Um, and, um, and so the Jews had a, a weekly dole called the kupa. This is probably my pronunciation will be right up there with the French. Um, <laughs> given out every Friday, and there was a daily distribution. But as soon as they got baptised, they weren't getting anything. So it's a new kind of family. What do you reckon? Should we take care of them? This, yep, yep, I've got agreement. They're going to take care of them. So uh, if you can put together that roster, and the roster is speaking, oh, and would you mind deciding, we want to know, should we sing the songs from Mountain Song, Psalms of Psalms, or Bethel? Okay, if, if you could decide that. Oh, and by the way, the toilet's backed up. Um, did, <laughs> did Jesus say anything about that? I'll give you a moment or two to talk about that. Okay, so did you hear them all agree that they're going to look after these widows? Um, which means that Elizabeth and Hannah and Deborah and Judith and Rachel start to get daily food parcels. Great, they're being fed. Excellent. Okay, who here has a blue label? Okay. One of you is going to visit your Aunt Agatha. Now, you may not have noticed, but Elizabeth, Hannah, Deborah and Judith and Rachel are all Jewish names. They're local girl names. Agatha is a Greek name. So you go to visit Agatha and she's doing pretty tough and there's not enough food on the table and you look out the window of her kitchen and you see a food parcel going to Judith. And you think, well that's not right. So what are you going to do? Well, typically you'll talk to somebody else and because you are blue, your native language is Greek, you're going to speak in Greek and so you're going to say to somebody else, hey guys, this isn't right, you're going to have a bit of moaning and groaning and, uh, and are these guys going to hear any of this? No, because you're not in fellowship with them because you're not speaking the same language and you have different culture. Meanwhile, back at the red table, have you made a decision about which songs you could sing? Are going to Bethel and the hymns in Hebrew. That makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, and so now we're just going to imagine for a moment, I'm not going to pick on a blue person, I'm going to pretend that I'm a blue person. I'm going to come along to the table, and I'm quite annoyed about the fact that the older women that I know aren't getting any food. So, um, and just for a moment, remember there's a language barrier. I'm going to illustrate that with... Um, to which you respond as? What? Exactly. <laughs> now, I, I did that because I don't speak Greek. I can't say it in Greek, but there's a language difficulty as well as a culture difficulty. So I say in my uh, limited, maybe in Aramaic, or you cobble it out of my, uh, the sheer Greek we've got to say, hey, um, Agatha's not getting fed. Are you guys racist? Ooh. Now, now that's quite strong, and it's, uh, it's your fault. So, how are you feeling? Yeah, well, well, we just didn't know this was going on. We, we just thought everybody was being fed, and we, we wouldn't stop anybody that can get food. We're not going to be racist. He's, he's pretty good at this, isn't he? <laughs> can you hear what he's saying? Um, so, can I just outline some options that are go on at this red table? This... Absolutely, that's one of the options in here, is that they say, we'll ignore him. Look, he's not of our culture, he's not that important. 
the, the blue person. You're incredibly busy. Oh, we're teaching all the time. We're Absolutely. And if you stop, if you stop teaching and just start serving, who's going to teach? Ah, oh, good man, Mark. Here you go. But worried about. <laughs> don't worry about Dennis having a mic. Actually, no. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. It was a joke. Yep, yep. You should be fine. You should be fine. Okay. So if you stop, if you if you start if you down tools and start doing this, that's not going to work out so well because people need to know who Jesus is, don't they? Yeah. Make sense? And maybe maybe Chris here has got plans. He has a plan to reach the world by 2020. With targets as a good quantity surveyor. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. exactly. And a program. <laughs> and, 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 you know, actually, God has supernaturally rescued all these things in the past. Why don't you just pray and walk away? Obviously, I'm not being that serious, but can you see the problem? Because this is how clashes of cultures work. And thank you so much for sitting at the table. It gets it a little bit longer. Um, when people write about cultures, one of the things they say is there is a table, an invisible table in every culture, which is where the decisions are made. And they say the problem we have is often the set of people, not your fault, but the set of people sitting at the table is this subset. You don't know what the story of the blue guys is. Yeah? And the only way you can change that if you, has, if, if you have a table where there's a seat for the blue guy. Yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah. And this is what the early church faces. And to be fair, if you, no pressure, but if you get this wrong, <laughs> um, then um, the church is going to stop growing. Because what happens is if you ignore the subcultures, they just disappear. They know they're not being cared for. And as a church, you want to grow. You, this is going to, what you do here, good news, you're going to do the right thing. It's, it's going to um, lay the groundwork so the church can jump over into Gentile culture and Roman culture and eventually American culture and even those barbarian New Zealanders get called into this thing called church. He's looking worried. Oh, one way, or the other way you can really blow this is you can just say typical blue. Okay, so the table has met, and they've discussed this. Would you like to uh, undo that? And I wonder if one of you would read out your decision. I've written it out for you. Um, uh, yes, Your Honour, I am leading the witnesses. Yeah. On the other side, on the other side. That's just to make it look good. Ah, get this in my best English. <clears throat> we don't think we should stop talking about Jesus. We knew him. We know him. And he turns to face us and says, My friends, choose some people who you respect, who are wise and also filled with God's spirit. We'll put them in charge and we go back to our core business, speaking about Jesus and praying. Okay, what do you reckon? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Yeah. Well, there's a fair number of thumbs at the side here at the moment. <laughs> I'll give you a thumbs up. Um, actually, I had on the other side, I uh, looked at the other, it was a copy of the Treaty of Waitangi. Anybody here expecting to hear stuff about sovereignty and Rangatiratanga? No, but that's exactly the situation in New Zealand we faced. Two cultures combining, and what do we do about that? Right? What this table has said is, they are us. Borrowing from Jacinda Ardern. She said they may not be the same culture as us. They may speak a different language, but they matter. Well done. 
I think, early church, you've just passed. It doesn't look like a big deal, but can you see if they didn't get this right? This would have killed the church. You may have your seat again. God is in the detail. And actually, the Bible says this decision pleased everyone. They began by choosing Stephen. He had great faith, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they list, they choose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and also Nicholas. That's the one that you can confidently pronounce along with Philip, um, who worshipped with the Jewish people in Antioch. These men were brought to the disciples, and the apostles prayed and placed their hands on the men to show they'd been chosen to do his work. Now, a little significant thing you may not notice, those are all Greek names. They've actually just deliberately chosen all of those people are blue people. So now you're going to kind of have two tables, one table with the apostles, with the task, and one table with, well, this is where some churches um, call it elders and deacons. Yep. Um, what's, there's... I would, when I first was writing about this, I was really interested in the way that leadership worked. What I'd like to do is highlight just a few little things and then bring it to us. Well, actually, I'll bring it to us first. The question for these guys, even though they don't know the stakes are high, it's just another boring meeting kind of stuff. This is actually who gets to call church home. Part of what we are processing, part of the fight we're in the middle of, is who gets to call New Zealand home. That's the backdrop as to some of um, our recent horrible events. And there's a question for all of us, who does God want to call home? And the answer is, well, from the kids' book, people come in in many shapes, and, uh, shapes, sizes, and colors. We may all look different, act different, and sound different, but don't be fooled, we're all people. They are us and more. Before Friday, when I was working on this, I started thinking, well, what are the kind of cultural splits we face? And actually, I did write local immigrant, uh, because what we had is a local culture, the local boys speaking the local language, making decisions, and then immigrant is anyone who comes in from outside. How do you deal with that? But actually, it probably applies male and female. We see an imbalance, generally, in decision-making between males and females. There's an old and young thing you often hear people, whenever someone starts using generation language, I get a bit nervous. <laughs> um, actually, but it is true, if all the people come from one background, sitting at the table are the same, there is a Pākehā Māori thing that's played out in New Zealand over time. There is, in churches, a blue-collar, white-collar thing, different ways of people operating. There are these differences that are part of what we face in terms of cultures. And yes, there's a bit of a left thing, right wing thing. I, I'm never sure how much of that is just an American invention for us um, because they're really focused on it. And we're not so much, um, but we get their media. There are these splits, and in all of these, there is this general question, who's sitting at the table? Whose voice is being heard? Um, the genius of the disciples is while they could have turned around and said, we're too busy, they could have done all sorts of things. They actually identified there was a problem and they had some power to do something about it and they gave it away. They said, here you guys, you handle this. 
So the questions, whenever you're at this, is who has the power? Who isn't being heard? So who's sitting at the table? Who should have a seat at the table so they can take part? What power should we give away? And I think what you're... Um, which I think is a particularly Christian thing. That's what you see in Philippians 2, when Jesus surrenders power rather than using it to his own advantage. And then I think there's a couple of questions for us that float round. What is your gift to others and what is your service to others? Your gift being how you're made. The apostles have had the last three years of hearing about Jesus. Your service being there's a need. That may not be how you're made. Probably right now most of us are asking questions here. How do we respond to an act which is not representative of the people or country we want to be? Certainly that's how I sit. And it's early. Um, we'll be all over the place in terms of our thinking um, and quite often in terms of our emotion. So... Uh, I, it's too early to say this. There are a couple of people in the church who have relationships with families who are um, directly affected. And um, so we've kind of said, listen, tell the families we'd like to help. Let us know how we can help. Okay? Because we're trying to work it through relationships. And there's another th so there's a couple of things in play that we're trying to explore to go carefully and gently. It's a question for us. Um, Liz said to me she'd quite like to, because there have been a lot of local lockdowns, uh, for us to do a couple of morning teas for the local schools. Um, so we'll plan to do that probably not this week, but next week if you'd like to help, could you let Liz know? We'll be looking around for ways that we can express this. We are for you. That we can embody the kind of people that we think God is calling us to be. The thing about being the table, um, before I, um, my first time pastoring in Christchurch, I took a bunch of about 20, 30 students to uh, the Dean's Ave Mosque. We'd been visiting churches on a Sunday night. We didn't have an evening service, and I was young and had lots of um, energy. Um, so we took people to see these different churches, and then I said, well, why don't we go and visit the mosque? Just see what they do. Um, and the overwhelming thing that struck them we hear all this stuff, and we Christians, we hear all this stuff and we read this stuff, but we forget that they're people and they're alive. Was the, if the overwhelming thing was the family life. Kids, bored as, my goodness, you think my sermons are boring? You really want to try an Islamic. <laughs> um, and yet the family life was stunning. But I... Um, I came across this sculpture a long time ago, a photo of the sculpture. It's Jesus obviously having a bad day, or Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus sad, which we don't often see. Um, the Christian response to suffering that Jesus shows as he enters into it. He doesn't stand on the side and offer advice. <laughs> he doesn't come up with lovely, cute answers. He actually enters into suffering. Um, so it seems somewhat appropriate that this morning we're planning to take communion. To remind ourselves of that Jesus. And
And I think a little bit to remind ourselves that this moment right now is not all. One of the promises in um, the book of Revelation, at the very end of Revelation, as you're heading along, there's um, talk about the city. I've lost my iPad. Oh, it's up there. Um, it's talk about the city, and here's what it <laughs> says. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So no longer God here and not there. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. And that's significant because that language, the nations will look, the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it, tells us that other cultures matter. They will be represented at the end. There is some glory and honor in other cultures besides ours, and they get represented at the end. So we should open our tables to listen. So we should, because it's part of the end. It gets woven together. Every culture has something precious to offer. So, I'm going to lead us in a little bit of communion. We have bread and wine here. There are a number of hearts up the front here. Um, they all have slightly different things written on them. Um, and hopefully a number of you have a piece of paper. What I'd like to do is lead you through some words, a prayer about communion, and then invite people to come forward and take communion from the table. My invitation is this, that you take communion. If you want to, take your piece of paper. Um, I've got a cross here. Put it next to the cross as a symbol of bringing your bit of your culture to there, and there'll be another colour represented. <laughs> um, that you take communion, I suggest you take a heart. I'm sorry I picked a red heart. I didn't think about the fact that that makes it look as if one colour wins. And no, that's not the... Just red seemed appropriate for Christchurch. Yep. Um, so that's our plan, and then after that we'll have a little, little bit of a time in sung worship. Sound all right? Here we go. Creating and caring God, we come to your table, each knowing our own culture, our own language, the stuff that makes us who we are. We come to the table with people who are different to us. Today, particularly, we come aware of other bodies broken, other blood shed. And this breaks your heart. And it was in response to this kind of love, uh, sorry, hate that you gave your life. So today we'll gather round the table and remind ourselves of your son Jesus who took the day's bread, thanked you for it, thanked you for it, broke it and gave it to his companions, saying, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he took the cup, thanked you again, and gave it to all of you. 
to all, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, shed for you and for everyone for the forgiveness of sin. Do this to remember me. We remember that Jesus gave his life for us and for the whole world. We believe the story of the resurrection. We long to share Christ's life. We want to come and follow you. So send your spirit that these gifts of bread and wine may for us be Christ's saving body and blood. May that same spirit live in us that we might cherish and share Christ's sacrificial and healing love with all so we might be united with all your people in our city across the world and in heaven. May we love and honour you forever. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, in the unity of the Spirit. So we're not going to have someone serve. We're just come up to the table, take your time, have a seat afterwards. There'll be a song in the background.